Welcome to The Design Diaries, a podcast for creatives, freelancers, and business owners looking for candid conversations and real advice. I'm Melissa, self-taught designer turned freelancer and now studio owner, here to share my experiences and help you reach your goals. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I know I say this every single time, but it's been a really long time, and I'm really excited to get back into the swing of things. One, I'm going to preface, if you hear helicopter noises, engine noises, I am still in New York. I am still living in not the most residential area ever, so there is a high probability of there being just loud background noise, and I'm so sorry about that. I've tried delaying recording this episode as long as I possibly could, but that simply um, is not an option anymore in the city. Today's episode, however, is really exciting because it's something that I came to terms with or that I reflected upon quite recently, and I think that it's something that I wish more people did when I was first starting out. I wish that the experts that I had been looking to for advice not that I consider myself an expert by any means, but the people that I was looking to for advice essentially are the people that were influencing my decisions as I was growing. Um, I wish that they took the time to share with me things that they regretted or things that they wish they had done better rather than just kind of showing me how they did things or showing me what went right because sometimes knowing what not to do is more helpful than sometimes knowing what to do because There's so many different paths and so many different variables that come into all of our lives and how we all approach being creative, creating our own path, creating our own businesses. That's almost impossible actually to really follow to a T what someone says to do. However, it is much more universal and applicable to follow what someone says not to do. So that's why I think that this episode would be particularly helpful for those of you who have different paths from what I had or who haven't been able to find somebody who, whose story matches you completely and whose blueprint for their business or for their success or whatever doesn't match your life because it's very possible that you'll never find someone like that, like I never did. So, sorry, rambling moment, but all of that is to say that hopefully this episode is helpful to you. So we're talking about three things that I regret about my business and not necessarily things that if I were to go back in time, what i you know, disrupt time and space and create a multiverse by by changing it? Probably not, because I think things work out the way they're supposed to work out. However, if I were to advise my 2019, you know, self on what I should have done, this is what I would say you should not do. So, number one, I think I rushed way too soon into becoming a business slash studio and I wish I had stayed in that freelancer slash solopreneur space much, much longer. I believe that there was so much kind of glitz and glamour and a prestige sort of status when it came to being a studio or becoming a business owner rather than being a freelancer, um, especially on the internet and on Instagram and a lot of the culture at that time around like end of 2019 early 2020 was that similar rhetoric and so I think that I really rushed into becoming a studio owner way too quickly I think at that point I'd only been seriously freelancing for like three and a half months before I decided to become a studio and the reason why I don't think that's a good idea is because not only is it just a lot more stressful once it becomes a business that um, has 
just different financial, different marketing, different um, legal, you know, ramifications. But it's also hard to be forgiven or I guess it's really hard to kind of shake off mistakes that you make when you're supposed to be like an established business versus when you're a freelancer. So what I mean by that is like if your processes have some kinks in them, if your service offerings are like kind of fluid, they're not really perfected yet. Um, even if like your branding, like you don't even know like what your niche is, you don't know what your expertise is, you don't know what your, um, you know, copy, what your photo shoot, what your branding is going to look like. If you don't have all the softwares and your project management softwares already, those are all things that are so forgivable and understandable and common in the freelancer space because people don't expect necessarily they're coming to you with this like, um, like digital brick and mortar vibe like there, there should be some level of official um and formality when it comes to working with a business versus when you work with a freelancer it's almost kind of like you feel a bit of that more scrappy um informal more casual vibe that doesn't mean that freelancers are that way but it, it's almost like the connotation with that is like it can be more forgiving is what i'm trying to say and so I wish that I had learned the ropes first, like I wish I had had made client mistakes that I had, you know, really gone through trying out different softwares, learning how to do my finances is the biggest thing, learning how to, you know, do my taxes, learning how to track all of that, learning how to budget everything as a freelancer first, you know, getting really comfy and really good at all of those things about being a freelancer and then just doing a mini upgrade into being a business, um, Whereas instead, I was doing everything as a freelancer super illegitimately. All of my processes, everything was just like so, like not even informal. It was, it was completely illegitimate. And um, all of a sudden, decided to start a business and had to, in the four months that I was operating, like working with clients, I was also learning how to, how to have a, project management software, learning how to use a CRM, like trying to also brand myself using copy that didn't fit me, offering services that didn't fit me, things like that. And, you know, and that did start off my business, I think, on a shoddy foundation in the sense that I was starting off with, you know, poor financial management. I was starting off with um, no processes. So my client experience wasn't that great. I also don't think, I honestly don't think my designs were strong enough to call myself a studio at that point either. Um, and just out of personal opinion of on my reflection of my skill, I think I should have, you know, been in a freelancer longer to have honed that craft a bit more. And also I started off the business with a very unclear, unstable, unfinished sort of feeling with it. Um, because all of those things just weren't in place when I launched it. Um, and so I really wish I had taken my, you know, another year perhaps of just being a freelancer, even like if I wanted to like call myself by a different name rather than just using my name or like a solopreneur vibe, but, um, not so much a business yet with like moving parts and the team members and things like that. Um, and official, more official, um, processes and all that stuff. So that's my biggest one, the number one thing that I wish I had done. But, you know, you live and you learn and then you make podcast episodes about it. So that's mine. Um, the second thing that I would say that I regret is um, a lot of the courses and investments that I made early on, um, even in the past like two years, I just were just done really hastily. They were also done without a lot of... Um, 
an analysis not just so much like oh does this seem like a good course does this seem like because I did my research for sure on these courses on like coaching programs on um you know collaborators like in outsourcing things like that and I would look at testimonials I would look at their work I would look at you know um follow the person for a long time to see what their vibe was so I was making I I had my my mind going in the right idea of a direction but I neglected to actually really sit down with my business owner hat on and not just like my creative excited to learn hat on because I never actually sat down to think about the profitability of the investment like what is the impact financially also what is the impact you know from a business strategic um, standpoint or from a marketing perspective or even as like you know my learning potential what what is the actual profit of this investment and also not is it just the right profit um like investment is it also like the right fit for me knowing how I like to learn knowing what I think I'll want to do with this information that I learn like do I feel like the people who have taken this course align with my personality with my learning style with what I want to become as a business and I didn't ask myself any of those questions so my advice is when it comes to investing in a course, and I say this as somebody who literally like ran a design course, it's so important. It's so, so important that when you are looking at the course or an offering or whatever that you're going to invest your money in, don't be fooled by the marketing. Don't get sucked in by all of your friends in the community joining the same course. Don't get sucked in with by FOMO thinking like, oh, all of my, you know, quote competitors or all the people in the space that I'm in are all taking this course. So once they finish, everyone's going to have a leg up on me. That's how I felt. I signed up for one, this one website, um, like development course that is, was amazing for everybody. And I really got sucked in, but I hate developing like, and I loved the course in the sense that it was so well done um, I felt like I learned a lot, but I still to this day have not used any of the lessons that I learned in that course. And that was a four-figure investment um, that gave me almost no profit and no payout. And um, I honestly didn't enjoy it that much because it was all pre-recorded and I prefer live. So those are all things that I just never asked myself. So don't get sucked in by the glitz and the glamour and the the facade of it being perfect for you because the reality is only you know if something is perfect for you and you really need to sit down and ask those really serious and pointed questions about you know the legitimacy and and the fit for whatever the investment is into your business and into your person so I regret not asking those things of myself and if I um maybe had asked myself those things I'd be a couple thousand dollars um richer from saved expenses but we move on. <laughs> so my last and final um, thing that I regret is my offerings. So one of the things that I did whenever I first started was I was really grasping at straws to really just get any sort of work that I could. I started with no experience, no connections, and no portfolio. So really anybody that asked me if I could do anything, I would Google how to do it really quick. I would like practice it a bit, but and then I would just tell them yes. Uh, I would super lowball myself when I came to rates it was crazy but that's a different conversation but the thing was is that I actually didn't sit down in the beginning or you know even in the middle and really consider you know 
what the implications of that, you know, does or what they are. So the implication was that I, one of my first clients was in social media management and, you know, I figured it out. I knew social media pretty well. I, I had like watched some free workshops on things. I started to practice on my own. Um, I worked with this one client who had a great social media following that I learned through working with them how to do it, but it wasn't like my specialty. I knew I didn't want to be a social media manager, but I knew I could do it also because I had been in a social media intern before. So I agreed to do management for a couple of different brands because I wasn't getting enough design jobs and social media management was at the time my highest booked service. So I was honestly like this close to becoming a social media manager simply because that's the only referrals I was getting and that was the only really consistent source of income I was getting. And even though it was a type of work that I really didn't, not that I didn't enjoy it, but it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. So fast forward to now, I still offer it, but now I have a social media manager on my team to take over those clients. But the the impact of something I did in 2019 is carrying all the way to now in 2022, where I still offer social media management with my studio because I get so many inquiries and so many referrals from clients. And I've gone through the trouble of learning so much about social media and creating a process of working with social media clients that now it's it's a big waste for me to not offer it, but it's still like such a big headache for me to try and um, do that myself. So I had to hire someone on the team to do it. You know, that's not something that I foresaw when I first started doing it as just like a, oh, whatever service back in 2019. And that's really was the case for a lot of things. Like at one point I was doing emails. Um, I was building emails in Klaviyo for a client and also in Flowdesk for a client because it was a retainer job situation. And so I, I was getting consistent pay for that. But really like there was almost no design elements to it. A lot of it was more logistical, like scheduling, planning, embedding things into the emails. And I found myself really disliking that, but then became a thing of one of the main services I kept offering every month was these emails. And so all of this is to say, you know, backtrack to my original point is that it can be really attractive and enticing to offer a bunch of services that seem to be in demand and you'll figure it out because you're a good learner or fast learner, like whatever. Um, but ultimately it's going to come back and bite you in the butt if you offer too many services too soon and, um, also services that aren't actually profitable or enjoyable for you. So what I mean by not profitable is let's say like they book you, they pay you a hundred dollars or whatever to do, um, some email templates, right? But it's for a software that you've never used before, but you know, you agree to do it. You look up, you go into the software and you realize that you don't know how to use it or it's way more complicated than you thought. So you spend an extra like four hours of your own time looking up how to use the software, trying to build what they paid for in the software that you're not familiar with. And when you really boil down to it, they were supposed to only pay for three hours of your time or so. And then they ended up paying like, and then you ended up working like eight, nine hours, but they still only paid you for three. So then when you actually divide the number of hours with your, with your rate, like it's, it's severely undercut. So that's what I mean by there are some services that are just simply not profitable for you, given your skill set, given your expertise, given your experience. And that's okay. When you start out, I think it's so much better to become really good at whatever you enjoy the most 
Even if like, let's say you're really good at posters, but you hate making posters. You love making logos, but you're not super good at it. I am in favor of like still offer the posters, right? But plug your logos more than anything and try and make the logos, whatever you enjoy the most, like plug that thing the most, like make that what you're known for because ultimately the services that you get booked for um, and the rate at which those are booked, that becomes your specialty. And I mean, let's say you want to be a branding designer, but you only get ever get booked for for um, print and packaging design, your portfolio is going to reflect that, right? And people are going to come to you thinking that that's what you do. So it's really important that your service offerings are not too widespread. They don't have these random services on here that you are not in a position to to create things efficiently and at a um, profitable level. And then make sure that those services are reflective or are of your interests in addition to your skill. So yeah, I just regret offering like 50 different services <laughs> that, and I only enjoyed like 10 of them. So um, that's number three. So those are all the things that I regret in my business. Um, obviously like not so much regret, regret, because I really am happy with how things are and I am really thankful for everything I've gone through. But I will say that if you were my mentee, um, and you know, I had this advice to give and knowing that you would listen, this is what I would give. Um, I'm not saying by any means that this is the case for all people, but I do think that these three things, most business owners probably could agree with me on. So if you have any questions on anything, like I, um, say every single episode, feel free to DM me on Instagram, follow me on there. I'm ATNN design. Also, feel free to, to follow the podcast Instagram. We are getting some more content up there soon. It's the Design Diaries podcast. And also, pretty soon, we're going to be releasing the Design Diaries vlogs. So we're doing long-form video content as an extension of the podcast that's just showing a bit more about the life of a designer, um, aka my life. If you want to know a bit more about me, follow my Instagram for more information on the vlogs and all that stuff. That's coming soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Design Diaries. We'll catch you on the next episode.